0: Welcome to the Practice Purchased Podcast, where you'll learn everything you need to know to buy the perfect dental practice, all for free and all in less than 20 minutes an episode. Learn more about your host, author, presenter, and coach to hundreds of successful dental practice buyers by visiting BrianHanks.com. Welcome to Practice Purchased Podcast. This is episode six, Building Your Team and Selecting Your Attorney. All right, this is a big one, you guys. We're going to talk about five things. The basics of hiring an attorney, how to find them, how much to pay them. Number three, when to get them involved. Number four, what documents are involved, what are the legal documents and and all of that fun stuff. And then I'm going to give you five things to watch for in those documents. Okay, we've got a lot of content, so I'm going to jump right in. The basics of hiring an attorney, first and foremost, I cannot emphasize this enough. you're the type of person who's listening to a podcast on the subject for for fun, presumably, uh, you may be tempted to try to do this yourself. Do not, I repeat, do not attempt to buy a dental practice without hiring an attorney. You may think you can do it yourself. You may think you heard somebody on some podcast, some dental town post somewhere that just downloaded forms of themselves and saved some money. It's such a bad idea. Don't do it. Just hire an attorney. It's totally worth the money. Yes, you can find forms on Dentaltown, um, but it's such a bad idea, okay? Um, ask yourself, if you're tempted to do it yourself, is it worth the peace and mind protection of you know, a few thousand dollars to hire an attorney? In my opinion, and seeing some transitions go disastrously wrong, the answer is yes. Ask yourself, if this transition were to go bad, how bad could this hurt? Hint, the answer is, it can hurt a lot it can hurt a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. You are paying for someone else's experience and you're paying for someone else to manage the complexity. So just go ahead and do it. Ask yourself if you truly know all of the steps to legally close on a transition like this. And um, almost certainly, I've never met a dentist who is also an attorney who knew all these steps. So um, if you're listening to this, you should hire an attorney. Okay. What What does the attorney actually do well, first and foremost, they're going to create, review, and negotiate the asset purchase agreement, sometimes called the purchase and sale agreement. That's the big document. We'll talk about it in detail. Your attorney is also going to review and negotiate your lease. They are going to help you select and open your entity. and Finally, your attorney, and this is the big one, they're going to protect you from the seller not that the seller has something out for you and that all sellers are evil and bad and you need protection from them but simply because as one person told me the definition of conflict is two people that live in the same county and everybody has different goals and objections and sometimes there are miscommunications and actions outside of anybody's control that go wrong okay so you're paying for that protection does your attorney need to be dental specific again yes no-brainer just like the accountant in fact uh, even more so than the accountant, there are so many dental-focused and dental-specific attorneys out there that finding a good one is not a problem, all right? They're easy to find, and usually the brokers, the uh, the bankers in any given geography know the, the attorneys that are on most deals. Uh, they are not hard to find. If you need someone to reach out, I'll give you this um, uh, invitation at the end of the episode also, but don't even hesitate. I know... I'm sure I don't know all of them, but I, I know most of the uh, dental attorneys in the country. am happy to send you to uh, the best ones and give you the pros and cons of each. Okay. Um, should your attorney be hourly or flat fee is a common question. And in my opinion, for 95% of the dentists out there, you are going to be happier if you select a flat fee attorney. All right. You're going to know your costs up front. You are minimizing the conflicts of, of, interest between an attorney and you. Uh, Hourly attorneys, of course, have an incentive to do more work and to pad and pump up that bill a little bit. I can't tell you how many times I've seen emails flying back and forth that have little to no substance, and I can't help but wondering how much the hourly rate is for an attorney. And finally, flat fee attorneys specialize in what you need. Flat fee attorneys have been through the process of helping a buyer buy a dental practice, they know roughly the amount of hours they're involved in the work and they're comfortable quoting a flat fee because they're comfortable with the process. They know what's going to happen, they know about how much time it's going to take, and they're going to quote you a fee and they're going to stick to that fee. All right. In certain cases, I said 95% of dentists, I recommend hourly, or excuse me, I recommend flat fee. In 5% of cases, yes, hourly is fine. Ah, uh, these generally are transitions that are very amicable, like a father to a son, or uh, structured partnerships where there's it's more about um, just checking things off the list. Get the hourly attorney. Uh, get the geez, get the flat fee attorney. Sorry. <laughs> um, one other piece of the basics of hiring an attorney and something to watch out for is when brokers try to act as the attorney. Okay, unless the broker has a um, you know a licensed practice law, the broker should not act as the attorney in a deal. Sometimes sellers will feel comfortable with a broker acting as their attorney. But no matter what, you as the buyer should, can, and should hire a an attorney of your own. Okay, um, this gets especially problematic with real estate um, buying the building or even just getting a landlord and leasing from a landlord is pretty tricky. In my experience, the best brokers want you to have your own attorney involved. Okay. So just watch out for those brokers who try to tell you, Hey, I've got all the forms. You don't need to hire an attorney. Let's just get this done fast. It'll be so much quicker. Uh, Those are the brokers that I tend to watch out for. All right. Um, Dual representation brokers are something to watch out for. And they're especially problematic when you wanna make sure that you get your own attorney involved. So if the broker is a dual representation broker, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad, although I tend to have more problems with those brokers, and those deals tend to take longer and have a lot more struggles. Uh, but it can make sense to buy a practice from a dual rep broker. Um, the problem is, of course, the human nature presents a problem. There's no way to define what is fair. Dual rep brokers will try to tell you the legal side we represent both parties. We'll make sure it's fair. We'll just use one attorney. You don't need to hire your own because we're going to be fair. We're going to be so fair through the process. They're going to sound like a politician up there and they're just going to repeat the word fair, fair, fair over and over. And the problem is, is who defines what's fair? Well, the attorney. And who's paying that attorney? If it's the broker who recommended them and the seller who's paying them, well, the seller, right? So um, the price, the asset allocation, redo work, tax issues, non-compete covenants. Are all examples of things where it's not necessarily obvious where fair is and so you're going to want to have an attorney look at those documents for you okay number two how do you find and how much should you pay a your own attorney well again as I, i talked about the best dental transitions focused attorneys are dead obvious pretty much anywhere in the country the bankers brokers and accountants who all do transitions know who those attorneys are and they're happy to give you their recommendations on the best names. Ask a couple folks. You'll, get the, you'll start to hear the same names over and over. Those are the folks you probably want to talk to. You could ask the question, um, rather than who's your favorite attorney, just ask the question, who does the most deals in this area? That'll probably be the person who does the best job, too. Or in some cases, there's going to be two, three, or even four, depending on the city. Um, I would ask uh, an attorney that I am talking to on the phone a few questions. I would ask them if they're hourly or flat fee, obviously. I would ask them how busy they are right now. How many clients do they typically take on and where would you fall on the list? I would ask them about your specific transition and whether or not they've worked with, if, of course, you have a broker involved, whether they've worked with your broker. And then ask them how things went in those past transactions. They'll be happy to share with you the details. And then uh, one final question to ask is, this is different with different attorneys, is who is going to manage and negotiate the lease, right? Real estate is a different animal than the business, the dental, dental practice that's changing hands. And some of the best attorneys I work with will actually outsource the lease negotiations to another attorney who's included in the flat fee, who is actually going to manage the, uh, the lease portion. Sometimes it's included in the fee, sometimes it's not. Um, and each attorney is going to have a specific set of feedback for In that case okay how much you can expect to pay well the answer is if you're going hourly expect to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to i've heard up to 350 dollars for hourly rate attorneys some of those will try to cap their estimate they'll say uh you know 150 an hour but no more than x number of dollars Uh, most hourly attorneys won't actually cap it they'll just say uh, my estimate is this amount and if we go over that i'll let you know um, I have just, again, back to the fee thing. I've seen some horror stories. I've seen transitions that didn't go through at the last minute. The, the buyer's heartbroken. And then they get a massive bill from an attorney. I've heard, I've seen 18, I've seen $22,000 bills, uh, from, um, attorneys who were billing hourly on transitions that didn't even close. And, um, that's tough. That's a lot of money. Flat fee attorneys tend to be in the five to $8,000 range give or take. Some are a little bit more than that. Um, And the lease and the building negotiations are the wild card there. Okay. So when you're talking about which attorney to hire, of course, all of this is predicated and depends on the fact that you've actually found a good dental practice to buy. So a lot of buyers tell me that finding the practice is actually the hardest part. And we're talking about hiring your attorney in this case, right? You're outsourcing a portion of the practice purchase process to someone else. The portion you can't really outsource to someone else is actually finding that practice. you got to, in most cases, do that yourself. So I created a short video that covers my two favorite tips to find the right dental practice. This is, it gives you examples and specific advice, how much time it's going to take, and it's all free. So if you'll just text the word FIND to 33777, that's the word FIND, F-I-N-D, to 33777. I'll send you that video for free okay when should you hire your attorney Um, the answer is you can hire them anytime if they're flat fee in theory you should be able to hire them with no change in fee at any time in practice what i see is if you're using a good accountant the right time is either after you've hired assigned the loi or right around the time you're signing the loi that's typically the time to get that the, the attorney involved Before then, there's really not a lot that the attorney can do beyond giving some general advice or some thoughts and impressions on a deal. And most attorneys I work with won't really comment or refrain, I should say is a better word, from commenting on financial aspects of a deal um, beyond simply, you know, that sounds fair or yeah, that sounds about like the right range, things like that. Okay. What they're going to do for you is first and foremost, once you hire them, they're going to establish contact with the seller's attorney They are going to contact the landlord immediately. That's important because that can take a lot of time. And they're going to start that process of establishing your entity as the buyer. And that entity is a big deal because you're going to need it to set up business bank accounts, start insurance credentialing and other steps in the process. Okay, let's talk about the legal documents and then we're going to finish up with a few pitfalls to avoid. What are the legal documents you're going to see in a dental transition? I've got five for you, three of which you're definitely going to see. The last two you may see. The first and the big one is the asset purchase agreement. Sometimes called the purchase and sale agreement. This is the big one. This is the document that is you know, 80 to 150 pages long and it has all the legal mumbo jumbo in it, definitions, it's, it's long. <laughs> Did I say it's long? It's got all of the information from the LOI included in there. It'll typically have several exhibits in the back and this is where most of the negotiations are gonna take place. Um, I will just simply give you the advice to look for that document and know that you should read every page. I know, I know it's long. It's got the legal jargon. It's so painful. It's hard. Make sure you read that document. Okay. Uh, a second document you'll see is what's called the bill of sale. This is usually short. It's typically one page. It's got the date, the assets that are exchanged for money. Um, it'll have a basic description of the deal and it'll have a few signatures. Uh, typically the bill of sale is no big deal you will also see a third document that is the, uh, it's either the lease or the real estate contract. Uh, it's whatever is going to allow you to practice dentistry in that physical location. Um, this is a totally separate transition, excuse me, a transaction from the business. Okay. Um, it feels like it's the same because it's happening at the same time, but the building takes place separate from the business, whether you're leasing or you're buying the building. Okay. Um, a lot of time, there are significant negotiations that happen around this, and you shouldn't perfunctorily just skip past this. If you're locked into a lease rate, it is virtually guaranteed that you will never pay less than that amount to practice dentistry in that location. So, there you are highly incentivized to try to get uh, a lease as low as possible or to negotiate as low a price for a building as you reasonably can get. Um, and this can take forever, right? The real estate portion, because it's a separate transition, uh, can sometimes take a long time, especially if there's a landlord involved. <clears throat> a lot of times the landlord doesn't even know that the seller's selling their practice until after you've signed an LOI. And the landlord is an, you know, it's an unrelated third party. They're going to have different motivations, different timeframes. And so you're going to want to get started on that process right away. Two other documents you might see that are legal and related to this is a partnership agreement. Uh, Of course, this, like it says, is only applicable if there's a partnership involved. The four questions that a partnership agreement will typically answer is number one, and most importantly, how are we splitting up the money? Um, It'll talk about what what happens if someone dies, is arrested, is on drugs, (laughs) and they'll talk about the valuation method and timing as a part of that document too, and the partnership agreement. And then probably second most important, important in a partnership agreement is not it beyond just splitting up of the money is how does a partner actually exit the partnership you want to have that clear as day a fifth document you may see is an, um, an associate employment agreement either you're gonna see that as the buyer if you're doing a dating period before you actually buy into or buy out the practice um, in some cases the associate agreement will be for the seller if they're gonna work for the practice for a little bit after you buy the practice uh, typically, um, you'll, you know, it's who does what work and how much are they getting paid, who decides uh, yes or no on your buy-in and when would they decide. They'll talk about how the practice is valued and when the practice is valued. And then it'll typically talk about a non-compete. Okay, that is the associate agreement. Watch out for these five things on the legal side and especially in the legal documents. Okay, number one thing to watch out for is ambiguity ambiguity is your enemy as you're reading through the documents make sure you've got a red pen with you you flag things and you ask your attorney what things mean it's impossible to have zero ambiguity but you certainly want to get as close to that as possible aim for a meeting of the minds with legal documents right ask ask the attorney to explain why a section is there and what it's protecting you from okay communicate think about communication with someone that you like and how often that. That miscommunications happen, and then think about the, someone on the other side of a potentially multi-million dollar deal, and you're going to see how important it is to make sure that you understand and you have that meeting of the minds in terms of what is meant and what's being protected from. Um, third, pay attention to capitalized words in any legal document. Capitalized word means that earlier in the document, there's a definition given. You want to make sure you note those and you understand what they mean. Fourth, and second to last, ask yourself, what if? In legal documents, really important to understand how something can go wrong. And a really easy thing to do is just browse for some horror stories. All you got to do is jump in any big dental group on Facebook, anywhere on Dentaltown, you'll see some of these horror stories. And it will motivate you, I promise, to have a really good um, sense of what happens if things go wrong in a transition. This is a large part of what you're paying the attorney for, And this is the time to ask the stupid questions, okay? Don't skip past reading the document and understand what's happening. Finally, finally, uh, my last piece of advice on the legal documents is just to simply make sure that the oral conversations that you've had with a seller match and line up with what's actually in the documents. I see frequent disasters happen when a buyer says, yeah, it says this in the document, but Dr. Seller said, blah, 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 blah. And it's not what someone said. It's what's in the documents and what gets signed. Yes, it takes more time. If you need to have your attorney be the bad cop, uh, but you can avoid a lot of disasters this way. To wrap up, hire an attorney, hire a good one. You have the tools now. Reach out to me if you ever have any questions, brian at brianhanks.com. I'm happy to be a resource for you. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the Practice Purchased podcast. For more information about Brian's best-selling book, How to Buy a Dental Practice, or about the Practice Purchase Blueprint course, visit Brianhanks.com.